Hey guys, thanks for joining the Radiate Church podcast today. I'm Brandon, the lead pastor here at Radiate, and I'm honored that you jumped in to hear this message. I hope that it challenges you, inspires you, and leads you to the life God intends. Enjoy the message. Thanks for making us a part of your Sunday. Like I said, my name is Travis. I'm ecstatic to be here. And I'd like to take us very quickly back in time to the year 30 AD on a Friday. Not just any Friday. But on this particular Friday, Jesus has just been tried guilty. He's been beaten within an inch of his life, and he's spilling blood. He's being marched down the street, getting mocked at, jeered at. And on his back, he has a piece of a crucifix, a Roman death device, one of the vilest ways to end somebody's life in all of antiquity. It's so vile that Rome itself will not even execute some of his hardest criminals on it because it's just that gruesome. Jesus is marched to his death. He's nailed to this cross and he's hung in front of everyone. And the gospels capture some of his last words. Some of them are, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could this have been the moment where of a divine abandonment where God looks at Jesus and turns away because Jesus has just assumed all the sin of the world in that moment? Or maybe is this the moment where Jesus is requoting Psalm 22, a passage that those who have been in attendance would have been very familiar with, that sounds like a divine abandonment, but it actually ends in a divine empowerment and strengthening. Jesus will eventually commend his spirit to God in that moment. And all the earth is going to respond. The Bible says that the earth is going to tremble and darkness is going to cover the, the land for hours. It's a very dark time, but darkness will not last long because in three days, Jesus will change the course of the entire human history. He's going to resurrect out of a tomb that's marked by a Roman seal. He's going to prove his kingdom supremacy, not only over Caesar's kingdom, but of every empire that will come before and every empire that will come after him. An amazing thing happens. He reunites with his disciples and these disciples just a few days ago, were completely distraught. Perhaps the one they thought to be the Messiah wasn't who he said he was. Even though they seen him perform miracles and feed thousands from nothing, exercise demons, tell a man to walk forth out of a grave. But what they're going to experience after seeing a resurrected Jesus will compel them to give their entire lives to his church. They're willing to become martyrs and take the gospel to every continent for what they are going to experience before Jesus ascends. See, scientists say that the human eye can see a single candle flame at 30 miles away in pure darkness. And see, I believe that's what our fledgling little movement known as Christianity would have looked like to the rest of the world, just this tiny little flame. But Paul tells a young man he's mentoring named Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy that inside Timothy, there exists a small flame as well. But if he could fan that flame, perhaps he could create a fire, turn that fire into an inferno. So I ask you a question today, a very simple question, but a very direct question. If Jesus gave his life for the church, and by the church, I don't mean just this church, which he did, but the big C church, all people who are going to put their full faith and trust in him, 
If Jesus died for the church, will you give your life to build it? Will you give your life to build the church that Jesus gave his life for? See, I believe what can happen in this room today can begin to change the world. I truly do. There are 65,000 people who call this county home. 65,000 people. Check this out. If every adult that attends Radiate Church today, not online, which we're very thankful for you who are joining us online right now, but if every adult who attends, not the kids who are having a blast at Radiate Kids, every adult could positively affect the lives of six people, six people in your radius. If you could introduce six people to the life that God intends, those six, another six, and those six, just one more six. Do you know we will have changed an entire county in the state of South Carolina? Three cycles of change would have affected an entire county, breaking generational curses, breaking bondage, setting people free, who perhaps have never felt that in their entire life. Three cycles. I believe there are world changers in this room today. I truly do. See, I believe there are people in this room right now who God's put something on your heart, perhaps it's starting a nonprofit. Perhaps it's to start some sort of outreach initiative that's going to supplement what the church is doing. See, I believe God's put a desire in a certain people's heart to go to foreign soil and share the gospel with people who don't look like us. Maybe don't talk the way we do, speak the same language, eat the same things, live in the same type houses. But I believe God's put that desire on somebody's heart in here to take the gospel to foreign soil. See, I believe God's been very generous and very gracious to those of us in this room in a financial way. And you're called to be a financial blessing to somebody else because there could be somebody beside you who does not know where their next meal is coming from. God's called somebody in here to be gracious because he was gracious to you. There's somebody in here right now who I know is just one act of confidence away from doing something right here at this church, whether that's joining a life group, leading a life group, joining a team, 90 day tie challenge, getting baptized, you name it. Any next step that's on that wall back there. I believe there's somebody here who's just one move away from doing that, from fanning the flame, for helping build the church that Jesus died for. I'm so ecstatic to be speaking to you guys today. It's Remix Week 2. It's a series where we're looking at a lot of our core values and we're looking at them in a new light. And this is my favorite core value of all. It's going big or going home. It's building the church that Jesus died for. I think one of the most powerful things we can do if we want to change the world is, is share stories. And I'm so thankful that our church champions sharing people's story because I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can tell others what God's doing in the hearts and lives today of the people who put their full faith and trust in him. And if you've got a story to share, please use one of our avenues to do that, whether that's emailing us at youmatter@radiatechurch.net, sending us something on Facebook or one of our social media accounts. Please tell us what God's doing in your life. We want to share those things. On April 1st, 2018, we shared a very, very personal story to me. We shared a story that Easter Sunday, this past Easter Sunday, about my wife. Her brother died unexpectedly a little over a year and a half ago, uh, very tragically at a young age. And she was telling in her story about what that week looked like. And she was explaining that she was scheduled to play keys and radiate worship that week. And 
though it was one of the most hellacious weeks of her life, that God reoccurringly put on her heart, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God and know that the gift that I've given you isn't just for you, it's for you to share. So she decided to fulfill that commitment today. And she walked through a little bit of the order of service we had that day. And she said that we had a team rally that morning like we have every morning at our Northeast campus. And I led that rally. She said, I shared some scripture and we went throughout the day. And it was just a very emotionally charged day. She said in the video, she wasn't quite sure what I shared that day, but that passage of scripture was Isaiah 6, 8 through 11. It's gonna come up on the screen behind me. It's a foundational piece of scripture, not only in my life, but I truly believe it is the blueprint for how we can continually go big or go home, continually to fan that flame into an inferno, continually build the church that Jesus died for. Isaiah 6, 8 through 11 says this. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. He said, go and tell this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand and keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of the people dull, their ears heavy, shut their eyes, least they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, they might return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid to waste without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land is utterly desolate. Now, I want to summarize quite quickly what we just read because this can be a little confusing and I want to tell you why it's important to you today. See, Isaiah is called to be a prophet. God chooses certain spokespeople at certain points of Israel's history. It's a very tumultuous time. The kingdom's just been divided. People aren't engaging with God the way that they're supposed to. And social injustice is rampant. But how many of you know in some of the darkest times in history and even your personal history, God's not silent. He still has a way to speak to his people and he does it through the group called the prophets. And what we just read is a vision Isaiah's having where God's approaching him. And I believe it's a good blueprint for us to use today of how we go big and go home. And if I could tweak our core value in the slightest, how we go big until we go home. I think there's a ton we can learn from this today. I think one of the first things we can learn is we have to take action. We have to take action if we're gonna to continue to fan that flame into an inferno, we have to take action. And, and I believe those can be small things we take actions with or large things. And you know better than I what you have on your heart right now that God is just pointing you in the direction to that one opportunity. He's just wondering if you're gonna say, here I am, send me. Sometimes I think of the small actions are maybe those opportunities where we pass somebody in a, by in a grocery store and we don't even know who they are, but we know deep down in our heart we need to go up and ask them how they're doing today because we kind of already know it's not that good. And it's probably something we can do to build their confidence and help them in that moment. Are we going to say, here I am, send me? Perhaps it's something very large in life. And for Ashley and I, ministry, pursuing ministry was a very large decision we had to pray over. But all I needed to do in that moment was to say, here I am, send me. I don't know what's going to happen, but here I am, send me. I want to help build the church that you died for. And I believe there are people in here in this room who have just as big aspirations and opportunities on their heart right now that need to say, here I am, send me. If I could kind of paint a little funny picture of kind of what I'm talking about is this. Um, Ashley and I live near the Botanical Gardens, uh, near the Saluda River, and we have a condo. So there's like a parking lot and a lot of other buildings and people live there. 
And about two weeks ago, I seen this gigantic turtle in the parking lot. This thing was huge. And I knew deep down inside that I need to go pick that turtle up and take him to the river because somebody's going to hit him with a car and I'm going to be devastated, right? And so I acted on that and I went and I went to go pick this turtle up and they say turtles are slow, but this turtle was actually particularly fast. And he started like wiggling his flipper like this and he had this really long toenail and it kept touching me and I was like, ugh. And I like put him down on the side of the road. I was like, I don't want his toenail to keep touching me because uh, it was gross. And, uh, and so I just set him on the side of the road. I said, hey, this is probably good enough, right? And I remember Ash and I went on a walk and I was like telling her about it. And I was like, I gotta see if we can find this turtle. I gotta show you how big this turtle was. And uh, we didn't see him. And I, I knew deep down, so I was like, Ugh, why, did I, why didn't I just take him down to the water like I was supposed to do? And we didn't see him. And if I found out that he was physically crushed, I was gonna be emotionally crushed for not doing something. And uh, we couldn't find him, so we, I'm not making this up, I swear, y'all can ask her. When we got back to the house, the turtle was like on our front porch. He had <laughs> crawled across the road through the parking lot and was on the front porch. I am not making this up. So I was like, I gotta do it, God. So I got a tote at that point because I didn't want to touch his toenail. And I got a tote and I put him in it, took him down to the river, end of story, right? That's just kind of funny. But it, that's an analogy though of things that God places in our lives, right? Not only does he put these big goals, aspirations, these big challenges and opportunities, but we can't take those shortcuts either and just put those things on the side of the road, right? We have to take advantage of the opportunity. We have to take action. Another pastor says, if we wait till we're 100% sure on taking action for something, chances are we're already too late. We have to seize the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of that opportunity. But listen, I get it. There are a lot of hesitations sometimes with taking action. I think one of the greatest hesitations we can all have is where our self-confidence kind of starts to mess with us a little bit. We say things like, well, I don't know, I don't know enough to be able to do that. Or I don't know, you know, I'm not trained to be able to do that. I, I don't know anybody else is doing it to even talk to, to learn about it, right? We have these massive hesitations all the time, but I need to tell you, and I think this is for somebody in here today. God doesn't call the equipped. God will equip the people he calls. That's right. Clap for that. God will equip the people he calls. See, two verses earlier that I did not read, God goes through a cleansing ritual with Isaiah during Isaiah's vision where he cleanses and prepare Isaiah to do this work. God was going to equip you with absolutely everything you need if he's called you to do something. And the really cool thing about that entire process is it's a lot easier for him to show out and prove it's a God goal whenever you know you can't do it because where you stop is where God's going to start. We also have the hesitation, not only of our self-confidence sometimes, but I think we can easily have the hesitation of not taking action sometimes because we just don't even know where to start, right? Is, it, is anybody like that? Does anybody not clean their house sometimes because they don't know where to start? Every room is dirty, so you don't do anything. You just watch TV like I do. But, uh, <laughs> but we don't know where to start sometime, right? And I think that's a major hesitation. But can I give you a very short answer today that I think is going to help with that? It's probably not going to be the one you want to hear. But the short answer to how do you fix that problem, where to start, is right here, right now. There is 
no better time than right now. See, I know that it takes a while sometimes to get the gears going, to kind of get in that opportunity, to kind of see what you need to do, to kind of understand what's going on. But here's the thing, to make that decision only takes a second. Only takes a fraction of a second to make a decision, to get started. We have to take action and we have to do it within the lifetime of that opportunity. I think Isaiah also teaches us a lot about perhaps the hardest part of this entire journey. It's not just taking action. I think sometimes that's one of the easier things we can do, right? It's really fun and it's very exciting in the moment to go, yes, here I am, send me. But the hardest part of the whole journey is staying on the path when it's the hard thing to do. It's going and going and going and not knowing if you're going to see the results, right? It's easy to take action, but staying on the path is the most difficult thing. And I, and I want to teach a little bit on verses 9 and 10 because I think that they can appear quite confusing. Uh, where it says, he said this, go and tell the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but not perceive. Make the hardest people dull, their ears heavy, shut their eyes. At least they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return and be healed. It seems quite confusing. Um, but God's explaining that Isaiah, I... I appreciate you volunteering for the mission, but I need to tell you in advance kind of how things are going to work out. You're going to prophesy and you're going to do everything that I asked you to do, but the results are going to look a little different than what you're probably anticipating. And I want to share something that I think is going to be a game changer for somebody here today. And I think we all need to tell ourselves this at some time, something very powerful from the, those passages. God's telling Isaiah you are not responsible for the results of what happens. You're responsible for the obedience to do what I asked you to do. I'm telling you the results in advance. I'm not holding you accountable for what the people are going to do. I'm holding you accountable. Will you go tell them? Will you stay the path? Will you continue to stay on the path? And I think that's one of the hardest things that we have to do, right? Get up early, stay up late. Do the right thing when it's the hard thing to do. Have a hard conversation. Man, the hardest person we have to lead is not somebody else, it's ourself. Can we stay on the path? One of the easiest things that we can do to continue to stay on the path, and especially as a believer, if we are going to build the church that Jesus died for, if we're gonna go bigger, go home every day of our lives, is we have to be able to sustain this entire journey, and that's through our purpose. If we know why we're doing something, that's going to sustain us when times get tough, when things get hard, when we're not seeing the results that we actually want to see. It's our purpose that reminds us why we're doing something to begin with, right? So I just became a dad about a month ago, and um, I wasn't going to do this, but I did invite somebody today, and it's my daughter, and she is in the back, and I'm very excited. She's never going to remember this, but thank you for coming. Um, so <laughs> not to draw attention. Um, but, uh, so I've been trying to do these devotions right now so I can learn, um, how to be a better father, be a better parent. And I'm um, like, not a lot of you guys. I miss a lot of devotions <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> you ever get back on the Bible app and it's like, okay, you're connecting with God's word again. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm back, you know, but I, it sounds bad. I actually read out of my Bible Bible a good bit, but I'm just joking. Um, but I do miss a couple of days on devotions. And the thing is, I'm not reading them so I can just check that box and say that I read it. 
I want to read them so I truly learn how to be a better father. My purpose behind that is, can I lead my family better tomorrow than I'm leading it today? That's the purpose why I get on there and read those devotions. And, and you guys are thinking of something in your personal life right now. could be totally removed from what I just said. But if we know why we're doing something, we can stay on the path every time, right? But we kind of need a method to staying on the path. We're going to use our purpose to sustain us and to remind us why we're going big and going home when it's the hard thing to do. But the way that we're going to, the method we're going to use is through discipline. And I know discipline is like a word nobody likes because discipline typically means that we're giving something up, right? That's what everybody thinks. That if I'm disciplined in something, it means I can't have anything. But I would like to propose to you that it's actually quite the opposite. See, with discipline, we actually gain freedom. It's provi- it like provides some guardrails to our lives. And I can give you a couple examples. You can tell me what you think. So if you're disciplined in watching how fast you drive and you observe the speed limit, you typically have the freedom of never getting a speeding ticket, right? If you're disciplined in what you eat and you work out, then you can enjoy the donut guy right outside. You can have all the donuts you want. Praise God. We got some claps in here. (laughs) If you're disciplined in praying and reading and connecting with God's word, you probably have the freedom of never feeling like he's distant. He's very far away, right? If I'm disciplined in giving my wife flowers and affection, I have the freedom of never getting kicked out of the house for that, right? But with discipline, we actually gain freedom. It gives us the guardrails in our lives. It sets a standard where we say, hey, I'm going to, to hold myself to this. We're not going to let things fall below this right here because we're going to stay on the path. And if you begin to set a personal culture of being undisciplined, that undisciplined is going to eat your goal and your vision for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. There's no way you'll ever be able to sustain staying on the path to doing the hard thing to continually, no matter what, building the church that Jesus died for. Don't talk about it. Be about it, right? I think Isaiah does a great job telling us about taking action and staying on the path. But he asks a question to God in verse 11. He says, then I said, Lord, how long? And God answered, until the cities are laid to waste and without inhabitant, the man, the houses are without a man and the land is utterly desolate. God's answer to Isaiah's question is you got to persevere to the end. If you're going to go big or go home or go big until you go home, we have to persevere. And it's going to be difficult. Look, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I think that... I'm sure everyone in this room right now is just thinking in their head of that thing that's on their heart or just those opportunities perhaps you've even missed and you've gave up on, but we have to persevere to the end. We cannot give up. We cannot let up. If Jesus gave his life for this church, we cannot give up on building it. We cannot give up on building and reaching those who are far from him. We cannot give up on being generous. We can't give up on inviting people who don't know who he is and don't have that relationship that we have with him. We can't give up on leading our families. We can't give up on leading our communities. We have to persevere. 
in our office, we borrow a lot from a lot of different corporations who we find are very successful at what they do and a lot of other entities that are very successful in what they do. And one of those are the U.S. Navy SEALs. They have an incredible culture of leadership, of teamwork. It's incredible, forged by adversity, right? Every recruit who desires to become a U.S. Navy SEAL goes through basic underwater demolition school. Hundreds are going to start and about 10% are actually going to be able to graduate buds. It's a hellacious training. They're going to go through some of the most rigorous physical activity, but they're going to be mentally tested and broken in this process. And within their middle of their campus at buds, they have a bell that sits right in the middle. And this is what they say. And pastor talked about this actually just a few weeks ago. They say this, they say, if you ever get tired of all the physical training, you just have to walk right in the middle of campus and ring the bell and you get to go home. That's simple, easy. If you ever get tired of swimming, the freezing cold swims, just go in the middle of campus and ring the bell. If you ever get tired of all the physical training of being mentally broken, just go ring the bell. If you ever get tired of having to get up early or staying up late, logging hours on hours, drained, all you have to do is walk in the middle of campus and ring the bell. But if you want to change the world, never ring that bell. Never ring the bell. I know you may have been inviting somebody to church and they never come. Maybe they never will. I don't know. Never ring the bell on them though. I know you have people in your family who are far from God and they probably act like that a lot. But we can't give up on them. We can never ring the bell on them. And I know that we mess up time and time again and we fall off the path and we take the shortcut. The shortcut that ends up being the actual delay. But we can never ring the bell. We can never give up on building the church that Jesus died for. We can never give up on trying to be the individual that Jesus gave his life for, for every single one of us. We can never ring the bell. If you want to fan that flame into an inferno and continue to build the proud tradition that disciples started centuries ago to build the church that Jesus died for, to go big or go home in everything you'll ever do, Take action, stay on the path, never ring the bell. It's been a privilege to get to speak to you today on Go Big or Go Home, and it'd be my honor if I could just pray over each and every one of us very quickly. Could you guys bow your heads? God, thank you so much, first and foremost, for allowing us to gather here as a body today to get to glorify you through worship, through song, through prayer, through giving, and through your word. God, I pray that you drive this work deep down in our heart. I pray that you re-inspire us for things that perhaps have died long ago. I pray that you just reignite our passions, reignite our goals, and reignite the things that you have called us to do. I pray that you give us a bold spirit to say, here I am, send me. I pray that you give us the ability to stay on the path and we keep our purpose dead in front of us and we know it's to glorify you and to bring those far from you close to you to live the life that you truly intend. 
God, and I pray you just give us the endurance to finish the race, to persevere. As I'm continuing to pray, I would love to take the opportunity. If there's anyone in this room right now who perhaps have never entered into that relationship with Jesus for the first time that wants to make that happen today, that you know something's been tugging on your heart and you want to be a part and you want to belong to something bigger than yourself and you want to make a difference, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you, I'm just asking you, could you just slip your hand up? And it's not to do anything weird. It's just so I could pray with you. And if you do, you're going to fill a clipboard, go into your hand, and we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to give you some resources. If you could, please just slip your hand up. If you believe that's you today, entering into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. Amen. Amen. And lastly, I would like to pray for anyone today who says, you know what, PT, I would love just a little extra encouragement because I want to take action. And I want to be inspired to finish these God-sized goals that he's placed inside of my heart. And I need strength to help me persevere during this time in my life. Is that If that's you, raise your hand, because I'm being honest, that's me on a couple things. I'm, I want to pray for each and every one of us who falls under that umbrella. Amen. Hands all over the room. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to return to worship. God, I pray just a spirit of bravery, a spirit of courage, and a spirit of endurance right now over each and every person who raised their hand. Thank you so much for, in the greatest passion and rescue mission of all time, for you dying for us. Let that encourage us and be our purpose, God, to just reignite our passions to each and every moment, we will go big or go home and we will not let a moment pass where we don't glorify you. God, I pray that you just illuminate yourself in us such a way that there's no doubt that we are on the path and we are persevering, that we're going big, going home, and we're fanning the flame to an inferno. I thank you for the what you've done in the hearts and lives of your people today, God. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We're so glad you joined us today at the Radiate Church Podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry in any way, let us know. Send us an email at youmatter at radiatechurch.net to share how God is working in your life. Join us in reaching others by investing today at radiatechurch.net slash give. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive weekly messages delivered right to your phone. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.